Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most informational, educational, and entertaining podcast for auto detailers. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the Pints of Polishing Podcast. My name is Marshall Hill, and I'm your guide as we journey through the auto detailing industry. You can find me on most platforms at Total Auto Solutions. If you're on TikTok, find me at Detail Supply App. Best way to get in touch with me is 918-800-1188. And uh, I'm joined today with Greg Masterson's. You can find him at Masterson's Wax on most platforms. Uh, TikTok is where he likes to be. Masterson's Car Care. Best way to reach out to him, though, is get direct in touch. 562-335-2053. Greg, I am hopping in today to the Kona Light. It is a blonde ale. And, uh, you know, I like blondes. And uh, (laughs) as it gets closer to summer, I drink more and more lights. Light beers, a little more refreshing, a little easier to stomach. How many can you drink uh, if you're drinking a light versus a regular heavy? Do you, uh, you're not really a beer drinker. (laughs) About the same. Yeah. Yeah. You, you don't do a whole lot of beer. No, but I do a lot of coffee. I do a lot of cocktails now. Yeah. That's your, that's your go-to. Yeah. So the other thing that's interesting of uh, being a light beer is, well, Understanding the light of where we're at in the industry, shedding some light on it. That's what we hope to do. So thanks for uh, taking the time, Greg, as we talk about through industry vibes and uh, what we're feeling, what we're seeing, what's going on. I know last week we caught up on uh, your ride, the the black Mercedes. Has it still yet to be detailed? Has anybody yet to come out and detail it for you? No, nobody. Absolutely. I don't know if anybody's watching this or he's not calling or something. I don't know. I haven't, I've not had anybody uh, come and be like, Hey man, Hey, won't do it. I was like, ah, that, that. he's like, Hey, you can't, you know, do it. So the, um, uh, the, uh, nobody's called me. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? I'll tell you that. Nobody's called me. Nobody said anything. So uh, hopefully they can hit me up, man. It'd be a, be a, be a good thing. Appreciate hopefully it. so. Hopefully so. So uh, we want to look at where you're thinking of where we're at in the industry, right? Like, I'm going to call it, we're starting to get pretty light in the industry. And the reason why I'm saying it is coming off of just one segment of the industry. And that's something I know you've been passionate about is where the expos are going to play in to the car care industry. Starting off the season of the expos, we're 0 for 0, right? 0 for 0 on mobile tech. That one yeah. got canceled. Yeah. So we come to number two of the four, right? Because there's basically mobile tech Orlando. We got SDC, which was in Kentucky. We got mobile tech Vegas and then SEMA. So when you're thinking of it, man, what, what do you look at the industry when you see zero, right? First one gets canceled. Yeah. What have you heard about the second one? You heard any news about the SDC? Um, about the Southern Detailers Conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I, it, a lot of people went, de- a lot of detailers went, companies went, which, which was really good. The only problem is, well, I, I actually didn't attend the Southern Detailers Conference is there was no customers. <laughs> there was no customers. It was only people there for business, right? And so to me, I didn't see any value going at it. For me to go to a show, I need to see some type of value. Some value needs to be brought to me. Uh, when anybody attends a show, that attendee, I believe, is a customer. 
And the show providers got to provide some type of value. SEMA provides a lot of value, but that value actually has gone down a little bit, I truly believe, and they need to offer some more value. I think the value for SEMA now comes with things that aren't even offered through SEMA that are just in Vegas at the time that SEMA is happening, like other okay. meet and greets that are so, happening that aren't even SEMA related. Okay, so what, what type of value would you like to see from, uh, from these other expos? You know, I would like to see some type of value for the new clients and also some type of value for the attendees, both of them, right? It's very expensive to attend SEMA. Uh, for a company, it costs a lot, like thousands and thousands of dollars, right? But the problem with SEMA that I've noticed in these shows is if you are a company and you have a competitor, I, as a, as a business person, want to be right next to my competitor. I want to be literally right next to them, okay? Right next to them in the same area where I can be interacting with customers on the same level. Okay, why? Why do you want to be right next to you? Because because I would say most people want to be as far away from their competitors. No, they feel no. de defensive. They feel like, oh, I'm going to lose if I'm close to them. No, Why do you want I, to be right next to them? Well, I need to be right next. I need to be right next to my competitor. I need to be literally right next to them. And, and I will pay more money for the booth right next to them. I will make arrangements to do that because then you're interacting with the same customers and you're, you're, you're pretty much in the same playing field as them. You can't, you can't box in the same ring with Muhammad Ali from another gym. It doesn't work like that. You have to be in the same ring. And that's why it's really important, I believe, to be right next to it. But with SEMA right now, new companies, they want to sign up for SEMA. And then there's no way that they can get right next to their competitor. They're putting them in like a booth on the other side of the show next to people that they don't even compete with. Like there was a detailing company that got put way in the back and they got put next to some like wheel and tire, but they don't even compete next to wheel and tire and their buyers aren't wheel and tire buyers. So it's, it's, that's a lot of value that's going away. They need to give more value by combining the industries in a better way at SEMA, reorganizing. Talking about that white tent that's out, uh, out, out back, huh? Yeah, the white tent that's out back. They're like, we ran out of room, so we're putting this white tent back, and then they threw one of uh, the detailing sellers. They don't pay me to mention their name, so I can't mention their name, but they, they put them way back out there in the corner, and you're like, why weren't they, why were they out there? Why weren't they next to all the other people that were selling the same type of products, the same type of customers, same type of lifestyle, right? It's very interesting. So that's also, now for the customer, right? These trade shows need to make it more, uh, give more value to the customer. SEMA does a great job of that. But I also think SEMA needs to figure out how to like limit some of the people there, you know? You've, you've been to SEMA, there's a lot of people there. And to be honest, it's actually like too many people there. Too many people that shouldn't be there. They're just there to, to check cars out. They're not there to interact in a business type of platform. SEMA needs to figure out how to maybe do a exhibitor day and then some business days. So they're not the same. You're not walking around talking to people and this person doesn't even work in the industry. They're just there to have a party. <laughs> So that's supposed to be Friday, isn't it? And on Friday, they're supposed to let all the, the public in, but the first part of the week is supposed to all be 
you know, you're supposed to be in the industry, so to speak, and you got to send in the paperwork and get approved. And, but there, there is a massive amount of people. The interesting part you're talking about SEMA, love to know your take on this. So we had Sonax on the community pub over the past two weeks. So Rob uh, from uh, Sonax USA, and then Jason came on this past week, Jason Abney. And Jason and uh, Rob, we were talking about SEMA and their prediction is gonna be that it's gonna be a hard SEMA to be attending because every company from overseas out. Out. It says international travel ain't happening, especially for companies. So SEMA this year, right? So Mobile Tech, Orlando out, SDC, right? We heard low turnout. I talked to multiple people. Vendors were all there. Everybody was in good spirits. The show did a great job, right? I mean, it was a very welcoming show. We heard nothing but great vibes, nothing but great meetings. There was a lot of training. There was a lot of great things that went on at the show. There's nothing to do with the show itself. Just simply that very few detailers actually came out to the show comparative to other expos in the industry. And most people were comparing it to Mobile Tech Orlando. So comparing it to Mobile Tech Orlando, it was not as successful, but there was a lot of hype going into it. So does that lead us to think that the next two expos coming for our industry, and especially that big one, you're, you're talking about SEMA, which is gonna have zero international attendees. Man, is that the time for, for you to step and go into a booth or is that the time to, to not do? What are you looking at for SEMA? What's your projections of where it's gonna be? I truly believe that, you know, I, I think SEMA offers a lot of value, but only on the value of networking. You know, they say your network is your net worth and the people who you interact with is where you're going to place yourself, whether it's uh, in, in a user or a business or friendships or relationships, who you interact with is where you will be. So do you want to be with big players? Then you got to get to SEMA and, and meet some big players. But is it a moneymaker? No. You know, there were people that tried to bullshit around and said that they made money off going to the Southern Detailers Conference. And I said, you're full of shit. I said, you lost money. You only lost money. Everybody that went to the Southern Detailers Conference lost money. There was no profit to be made there. How? And how would they lose money? Okay, well, we'll just go over all of it. So the plane tickets, the hotel, the booth, the food, right? All that right there. The, the lost opportunity cost of them making money somewhere else back at their office where they could have been way more productive than sitting in a, a booth in, in Lexington, Kentucky, where there was nobody. I mean, there were like the, the show literally had like nobody there. It was like crickets, like, ah, ha, you know, and there needs to be more people interacting in a show like this, you know, because that's where the money is made. That's where the communication is made. And I didn't see any money being, being made over there. There's no customers. So if it's a loss, where can you spend more time making money, interacting with customers? I think it's right here with what we're doing. 
with what we're doing right here has more potential to reach more customers than I think the Southern Detailers co uh, Conference. But SEMA, there's a lot of people that go there. I meet people at SEMA and I have meetings in hotels. Usually like when I go to SEMA, I don't usually spend that much time at the show. I'm usually just meeting people. Hey, meet me here, meet me there, meet me for lunch, meet me for dinner, meet me for breakfast, meet me at the show. Let's interact. But um, I, I, don't, I don't see that at the smaller shows. So are, will these smaller shows, will they have success? I don't know. It's a good question. What do you think, Marty? Uh, <laughs> it it's it's why i brought it up you know it, it's a question to be able to just jump around and ask because as we're beginning to see you know many people coming back that went to the show coming back to situations where we're seeing posts now of brands starting to talk to to people in the industry about their shortages and they're starting to publicly admit that they got some shortages on some things and that, hey, we're about to have some price increases. Hey, we got some shit going up. And you go, wow, well, whew. if all this is happening, we got gas prices, we got all these things going up, inflation, which you've talked about, we got all these things going on. It begs to differ the question, will these small expos really make an impact in the overall call care industry? And you're right. What is the value for them, whether or not I'm a, you know, a guy that I like to clean my car on a regular basis, or I'm a guy that's a professional that I like to have people pay me to clean cars, right? Yeah, yeah. In the overall industry, what value, it's a great question, what value do those expos show? The small ones begin to, you're right, begin to beg that question. Mm, and you're right, the SDC has a lot to prove. And I think the people that are behind it have some backbone to prove their worth. And we'll you begin know, to see over the next years how they can begin to piece together different parts of the industry because the way I looked at the show is it was pretty heavily cited. They directed towards a specific group and really everybody that followed that group really jumped on the bandwagon of how great the SDC was. Whereas in practicality, it will be interesting to see how many of those brands, like you talked about, actually made some money at the show or was it a big waste? Will that show continue and the other expos? Will expo number three be a big boom? Will mobile tech or, uh, uh, let's see, that's mobile tech Vegas. Will that be bigger than SDC Kentucky? That That's going to be the next question, I think, where we go through industry. You, you were going to say something? Yeah, you know, the, the, what I truly believe is that these detailing conventions, they need to offer more value to the viewers, to the attendees that will buy the tickets. They're trying to make money off the vendor or the, the, the company attending. And instead of making money off the attendees, they, I mean, there, there has to be some money to be made here. It's, it, if nobody's being made here, then they can't fund things like staff and location, all this shit. Money has to be made, right? But the, these companies, they're trying to sell spots for the vendors. And in reality, I feel like they need to offer more value. Like the IDA, I truly think that the International Detailers Association needs to have their own conference. The IDA conference, right? Why will nobody attend? It's because the IDA isn't inviting 
professionals in the industry to come speak at their event. They're charging them to come speak. And that's where the industry has a problem there. There's so many people in the industry, Marty, myself, you, a lot, Mike Phillips, uh, Jason Rose, uh, the Ammo NYC guy, Larry Kozilla. These are a lot of people in the industry that have a lot of knowledge. So why don't these conferences invite these people to come and have a free booth and speak for free and give all of their knowledge for free and just in exchange for a booth or in exchange for a, an area to set up there? The, the IDA and these conferences would have a lot more traffic by doing that, but they want to charge for it too much. They don't want to make it value. They could offer great value like that. I'm, I'm going to be the first one to tell you, tell you, I'd come to the International Detailers Association conference or the, S, or the Southern Detailers conference, and I'd do three speeches. I'd do a, a speech each day on sales training for free. I wouldn't charge anything. All I do it is exchange for a booth, right at the at the event. But IDA won't do that. Southern Detailers Conference, maybe they'll do that. If you hear me out, Southern Detailers Conference, you hear me out. Come invite me next year. We'll do some cool stuff. <laughs> Definitely, uh, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. That's what I was saying. Like, I think Daryl. I think some of the guys that are behind it. You, you know, there's as you follow the rabbit trail and you piece together who's really around. You know it. I think it's a group that really wants to push that show forward. And I think that that show will continue to be a success because of who's yeah. driving it. Yeah. And it's just, it, it is interesting. And it, I think we just need to be out there talking, which is thanks for your feedback, you know, trying to figure out what expos are going to go, where it's going to be, how the industry is going to go, because last year presented itself all kinds of craziness, right? Now we got a whole nother world of craziness with everything going the way it is. What's going to happen is always the question. So it will be interesting to see which organizations, which expos and who puts everything behind to put it in a successful place so that they can continue will be no doubt something that we will continue to watch. And I know as you've been openly talking about SEMA, you've said some statements here on the podcast, you know, hey, SEMA, reach out to me to get some help. Uh, you know, so that's why I wanted to, hey, take some time and reach out to you, Greg. Hey, give us some help. Where do you yeah. think that the industry and these expos should be going? So thanks so much for, uh, for what you're putting out and the time that you give. What's, uh, what's your week look like, man? How's, uh, how's everything look on your landscape out in California? Busy, busy, man. We're getting ready to release a lot of new products here at Masterson's Car Care. About 10 new products, and we're opening three new stores in the next uh, 140 days, 150 days. So we're very excited uh, to keep moving forward. Now is a very busy time for, for detailers to expand their business and take business opportunities. But I tell a lot of people with business and, and I do business consulting for a lot of people as well, is the biggest problem is people are afraid to pull the trigger. They're afraid to pull the trigger and get that success going today. Uh, and I tell this to a lot of people, we here, Masters of Car Care, we like pulling the trigger. So we're pulling the trigger, releasing 10 new products, opening three new stores, and 
that brings a lot of progress to business, right? I tell detailers to do the same thing. They need to pull the trigger. They need to expand. They need to be different. They need to do advertising. Stuff like that is, is, is all about pulling the trigger. It's super important stuff, man. Hey, I, I love that. I, I say a lot of times I'll say jump in, right? Take the jump, take the leap, take the step. It's really hard for many people that are listening that whether or not, and this is completely fine. This is the cool part about being in the car care industry is you can do it on the weekend, right? You can do it throughout the week. You can do it seven days a week, right? You can do it both week and weekend. It's open for any time you want to clean cars. Hey, this industry is open for you. And that's what makes it really cool. There's plenty of people that listen that work a full-time job and then want to, but then are hesitant and rightfully so, right? You got a lot of expenses coming up. You got a lot of things that are rising. You got a lot of costs. You got a lot of doubts, a lot of question marks. So when somebody takes that step, pulls the trigger, you know, takes that leap, it's a hard thing to do to walk away from something that's guaranteed to, to make sure we got benefits, we got regular hourly or weekly pay or monthly pay of your salary, right? There's a lot of guarantees working with somebody or for somebody versus stepping out, pulling the trigger, taking that leap and going for it. It's it's a tough one right now. Are you saying, right? I'm with you. I, I, I always say, take that leap. Are you saying right now is even a better time to pull that trigger? It always is. It, 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 it always is. It's even a better time now. <laughs> I feel like it's a great time to, to be, be expanding your business or even just get into this detailing industry in general. Why? It's because there's no time. It, you know, with business, I feel like there's no time. Hey, this is the perfect time. You know, I have a, I have a buddy who- It's never right, is, right? It's never, it's, never, perfect. it's never perfect, so it's gotta be perfect now. There, it's never right. You know, it's yeah. funny. I, I got a friend of mine and uh, uh, we grew up together. His, his dad invented the spork. You know what the spork is? Yeah, dad invented the spork, right? Yes, dude. I lived off a KFC chicken fried steak that you could get for $1.99. They eventually raised it to $2.99. But you got this little KFC fried piece of chicken fried steak, some gravy, some mashed potatoes, and they'd put some gravy on that. And of course, they'd feed you with a spork. Yeah, with a spork. <laughs> and so you know, he was going to start, his son was going to start some type of business and he wanted to buy a franchise or buy a subway. It was, it was, it was always a different thing. It was going to buy a subway or a pizza restaurant or a vending machine business. It was like, it was like 5 million different businesses, you know, you could fucking do anyways. The trick is just pick one and go with it. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is that it was always an excuse of, oh, it's not the right time. Oh, the economy's not good. Oh, things are expensive. Oh, I got this life choice. Oh, I'm going to have a kid. Oh, I got this. It's always a million things. It's going to be like that forever. And now it's been like 10 years later and the guy has never run a business. It's zero business. Not, not even nothing, not even a hot dog stand. So like I tell people, you got to pull the trigger and go with it. And a lot of people talk about making leaps, taking steps. I feel like the taking of the step and the pulling the trigger is a way different thing. Like, I feel like taking a step, is like, okay, we're getting closer to that, to that, to what we know we're going to do, right? We, but we got like 10 more steps to get there. 
But I feel like with the pulling of the trigger, that's why I tell people pulling the trigger. Because when you pull a trigger on a gun, it's instant. It's like, boom. It's, it's, it, there's, you had to decide that you wanted this reaction to happen when you pulled that trigger. And I feel like it only makes sense to anybody who's ever like shot a gun, you know, but when you pull the trigger, it's instant. It's not like that bullet's going and you're, you're watching it happen, you know, or like, you know, when, when people talk about taking the jump, like you got, it's like a, it's like a plane. You just got to jump. I feel like when you jump, you still got the journey down, but when you fired the gun, it happened. Boom. It happened. So what if, what if you only have a couple of bullets? Everybody only has a couple bullets. Yeah, it's very true. You only have a couple bullets. You cannot be shooting fucking bullets like crazy, you know, and you need, you need to pull your triggers precisely, but you, you need to, you need to, you need to pull some triggers, <laughs> you know, you can't just, <laughs> you know, you, you can't, you can't just do nothing, you know, that's, that's, that's the biggest, uh, um, the biggest deal there. It know? is a big deal. I mean, you're, you're 100% correct. Eventually somebody has to, you, you either got to get off the fence because you can't sit both sides. You, did you ever try and jump a fence when you were a kid? Yeah. Right. Chain link fences were the worst. Yeah, they're you hard. Think that you got it, but you get up there and you start seeing those prickly metal pieces stick up. And maybe as a kid, you kind of start going, Oh, and then you ever get one snagged on your, your pant leg or your, your shorts. And then it, it jabs into you. You know, it's no fun. Right. No. And many times when you're taking that jump and you're up there and you're trying to jump over that fence, you got to sit up there for just a second with both feet and catch your balance. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people trying to catch their balance right now. And when do you finally fall over to that other side? I don't know. Is that a shot? Is it a step? It's a really is a great thing to think about, you know, where, where does the practicality of going into business full time versus doing both, right? Do you think that it'd be beneficial for some people if they could do both? You run a business and clean some people's cars on the weekends and on the side, maybe at night, and then keep a full-time job during the day. There's plenty of people that would succeed very well in life by making and continuing out their job and then just cleaning some cars here and there. Maybe they don't have to jump in full-time and run a business. Yes, yes, you don't... you know, with business, it's all about how you, um, how happy you are with your business. You yeah. know, I, I got a buddy of mine and he runs a very successful auto detailing business. It's just him. He has a lot of work. He could easily hire five other guys and quad, quadruple down on his business. If he had hired four guys and him, he could quadruple down on his business, make way more income, but he has a great profit. And so for him, making that great profit fits in great with his lifestyle. He goes good with it. He doesn't, he doesn't need to have a huge business to expand. And for does, some people doing the Does that guy also right, have a job? No, no, no. That no, that's his job. He runs his shop, right? And oh, okay. He runs a shop. He's a well, let's hope he doesn't get hurt. Well, no, he doesn't need to work more. Because he makes so great profit, he doesn't need to be doing like 50 cars a month. He only needs oh, to yeah. do like 10 cars a month, okay? But he could double down. 
but he, and we ask him, hey, why don't you double down, hire more employees? You're easily scalable right now. You're making a hundred, you could easily double down, make 200. He's like, I don't need to make 200 because 100 is great for me. 100 is good enough, right? For where he wants to go in his life. For where he wants to be. You know, they say that any, in the, in this, I don't, I don't know if this applies everywhere, but I think it applies mostly almost everywhere is that they did a study. And if you make more than $60,000 a year, anything more than $60,000, it doesn't improve your life. Mm. There's no, there's no improvement of your life. You're not like, okay, man, I got 90,000. My life is going to be better. I'm going to get this and that it it doesn't. And they found that out. It, it, It improves nothing. It's just, it's just money in the bank. That's all it is, you know? And uh, there's a lot of pe- detailers that are really successful that understand that. Why have more stress in your life by running a way larger business when you can keep it small and make the same amount of money, you know? That, that's something I, I, I really think is important. And detailers... Sorry, I would recommend to your friend to at least get one person, right? It doesn't have to build some massive business, but... I myself, right? I, I took a trip when I was a mobile detailer. I took a trip and went skiing. I went snowboarding and we were on a, I was that time I was still heavily involved with my local church and went with the local uh, church youth group. And we all went up to Breckenridge, Colorado, went down, the, everybody was having a blast, right? Wanted to go down that terrain park you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a kind of guy that's competitive and I see a challenge. I want to try and do it. So I bet you five or six times I went down this terrain park and kept trying to jump up onto the rail slide and make it down. And I could jump up a little bit and get off, jump up here. Finally, finally, man, Greg, I was so proud of myself. I hopped up on that rail slide. And the first time I got up there and I was like, there was at least I'll say at least a second and a half that I was in pure ecstasy of like, fuck yeah, I'm on the rail slide. Next thing uh-huh. I know, whack, I'm on the snow and I'm going, <laughs> oh, that hurt. Like, and I go, ah, well, I'll just rub it out and get up, right? Mm-mm. There's no rubbing it out and getting up when your collarbone snaps. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Right? Oh. So if, If I'm the guy that never brought somebody on to work with me, my business was gone, right? Because there's no way that I go back home and am able to clean cars. And at that time, I'm power washing fences. I'm power washing restaurants, banks. I mean, I'm doing anything, right? We're a full operational business. Plus, we're cleaning cars during the day. We're cleaning. I mean, we're doing everything we can. So there's no way. There's zero way that, so my recommendation for anybody that's a friend like, like you got is Hey, bring somebody in because you never, you can't, if you think that you can go through life and never get injured, never have a health problem. There, there may be as a few, right. But what's that percentage 0.012. I mean, that's, that's so very small. So recommendation is definitely at least bring somebody in, at least keep everything going in case you do get hurt. Or in case you're out on a longboard and you just go whack, you know, that's never fun either. So yeah. Anyway, Greg, a lot of detailers, they got to think about this and and hopefully people listen to this is that what is your detailing business? 
is it a business or are you buying yourself a job? That's the difference. See, my buddy who runs this detailing business, that's his job. It's not a business for him, right? The business should be able to function on its own. And so detailers need to think about what's my exit plan? Is my exit plan to be washing cars like this forever? Or is it to train someone else and have them work with me? Is it to transition to something else? Maybe run a detailing supply store or an automated car wash? People that are detailers really got to think about that. Maybe we'll talk about that on another podcast. But that's that's very, that's long-term goal. You know, how long can you be washing cars for? That's a, you can do it now, but can you do it in 10, 15, 20 years? That's what people really have to think about. And they don't, they think about the now. So uh, maybe we'll talk about that on another podcast for the future. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. We'll talk about it another time, man. Thanks so much for uh, the time that you were able to take. Appreciate it, Greg. Uh, have a great week, man. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy your right, week. See you, man. Episode over. Leave us a review and we will see you on the Community Pub Wednesday nights at 730 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. That's the Community Pub Wednesday nights, 7.30 Central. The Zoom meeting ID is 918-800-1188. Grab a pint and enjoy.